This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I am your host, Lores, and today I am back at the microphone. It's been a while, and the last couple of episodes that you've listened to were pre-recorded. They were all up on Patreon, maybe about a month in advance, and it feels good to be back. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be trying out different kinds of disposable entertainment in these times where everyone seems to be trapped indoors for the indefinite future. It's a weird moment we're in. I'm not going to talk about it too much because everybody is talking about it on podcasts and essentially saying the same exact thing, which could turn out to be reactionary or uh, overdramatic, hopefully, in a couple of weeks or a month or however long it takes for us to get through this quarantine period. I've been away from my podcasting station for, oh God, uh, maybe about two or three weeks now because I had spent the bulk of roughly two of those weeks shooting what will be my first motion picture, assuming that none of the pivotal actors die from the coronavirus or that I die from the coronavirus. And I will say, when Hans, Jake, the cinematologist, and Jerry, the host of ratings, when the four of us met up, Jake came in with a little bug. Jake came in sick. And then all of a sudden, I was sick. And then Hans was sick. Jerry was fine. Coronavirus, not a big fan of Africans. He could be, he could be dandy. He'll be, he'll be the last man standing. So, uh, you know, I, I could be infected. I have no clue. I have no idea. Hans could be rotting away in a bed, shitting his pants, coughing up pink phlegm. That could be the state of things. However, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I got a little bit of grit to my throat. And Jake seems to be doing swell out in Texas. So if we if we got that or we got the flu, things seem to be going okay. The shoot went stellar. The shoot, I couldn't have had a better start to principal photography on what will be Mass State Lottery. That's the title that we're going with right now. By the time it actually comes out, it might have a totally different title. Uh, it was originally called Hobgoblin. We pitched it to a film studio along with two other projects. They didn't want this one. They wanted the other two. So the other two are tied up currently. This one that I just sh- started shooting, they wanted nothing to do with. So I took all the advice that they gave me for the script I reworked it from scratch. It's a completely different story. And we're shooting this. And this will hopefully be completed this year and out early next year. Unless things further get held up. Because I'm supposed to shoot part of this movie out in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I'm also supposed to shoot around here in New York City. But New York City is creepy right now. The only people out and about in New York City are homeless. And that makes it feel like a Resident Evil game where you have these slow zombies just shuffling around and you have to, you know, you see them from about 15 feet and you're like, all right, well, I got to go, I got to swerve now and cross the street so they don't think I'm doing that specifically because they're right there when I get to that point. Anyway, I'm going to be talking about Jackass because Jackass is one of my favorite things in the world. I love the Jackass movies. I love the Jackass TV show. I did a commentary a while back talking alongside the film, not specifically about the movie, although I want to say the bulk of it is about Jackass, the motion picture, uh, but just also my experiences with that and uh, related memories. It's not specifically, it's not exactly like 
an episode of movies where we're dissecting the film and going over each aspect of it. It's me rambling on to myself. Uh, it was intended to be a video, but that didn't really... It didn't function and come out in the way that I wanted it to because I was still working with inferior gear when I had shot the video and done the audio. I've upgraded my camera and my audio equipment since then. And if this is something that you guys are interested in, please sound off on iTunes or Twitter or wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast. YouTube, how could I ever forget YouTube? I've, I've been long ignoring it, though, in favor of Instagram and other platforms. I'm going to be starting this momentarily, and uh, you'll, you'll probably notice a change in the audio. The audio will sound maybe not as crisp. I don't know. We'll find out. I hope you guys like it. Again, let me know what you think. If you want more of these, I'm going to make more of these because it's easy. I had the idea as I was talking to Hans about doing a show like this where it would be the two of us watching a movie in real time and reacting. Now, obviously, a lot of streaming uh, distribution services are not going to be particularly friendly to the idea of a copyrighted film being played even if it meets the criteria of fair use, which this will. And we're going to try it out and see just what the technical difficulties are. This is a pilot, for all intents and purposes, of Waipu. Uh, that, that's terrible. I, I got to come up with a real name. But this is, a, this is episode one, I suppose. And we are going to be watching Jackass the movie. I have just hit play on said movie. The Paramount title is coming in. And uh, you can probably see that already. But if you'd like to watch the movie on a separate screen, you're allowed to do that. I highly encourage that. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be watching this if you don't own the DVD or Blu-ray or a digital copy of this film. That is the criteria that is needed for this kind of uh, program. Oh, the Moon Man, the MTV Moon Man, or Moon Person nowadays. Jackass was really the last semblance of coolness that MTV had going for it. It was just coming out of a phase of obviously music videos and music related programming. I think TRL was big during this time and they also had the Tom Green show. And what Jackass did was offer a last breath of danger to entertainment. A lot of people are not big fans of reality television. And I don't know if I would recognize Jackass as a reality TV program. But it certainly has all the, the hallmarks of one. But back in the day, you know, 1950s to, I'd say probably the 1980s, Maybe the 90s before grunge set in. Although that was pretty quick. There was danger in entertainment. There was an element that made adults go, do we want our kids having easy access to this? Actually, you know what? Maybe Grand Theft Auto was the last breath of that. I think GTA was the last uh, thing that parents truly worried about. I mean, nowadays, you know, 
you look at any given media outlet and they try to convince you it's PewDiePie or Logan Paul or some YouTuber like that, but if you check out the content, it's clearly benign. This was actually something you would sit down and watch at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night or whenever MTV aired this program. And if you saw what they were doing, you would not want your kids to be doing that. Of course, as a child of the 90s, what were we doing when this was on? We were trying to emulate jackass. So, and, and, this is the, and this is the thing that is a bit of a problem, and it's disingenuous, I think, when creators talk about how art doesn't inspire people to do bad things. I think, I think art can definitely inspire people to do bad things, but I think people are pre-programmed to do bad things to begin with, and it funnels out into one category or another. I don't think... I don't think that there was a scumminess in the guys that wound up doing bum fights around the same time that would have just dissipated uh, had Jackass not come along. You know, talking about people committing Satanist murders back in the 80s or something because they listened to Ozzy Osbourne. I think that would have came out in some other way. But the go-to argument from supporters of, you know, the edgy material is that that's not the case, that there isn't an inspiration to be taken, but it's a little of both. That being said, I don't think that there should be any censorship uh, in spite of that. And I think that the previous generations had a better idea of what made for entertaining television programming and what made for um, what made for daring material on the fringes and how that could be commercially accessible because there was nothing really like Jackass that came before it you could say the real world, I guess you could say some of Tom Green's sketches, but I mean, look what they're doing here. They took a renter car, they're tearing it apart, they fill it with blow-up dolls, they're gonna go out and crash it and fuck it up even more. And this is really the lightest that you're going to see in this film. Rent the car, crash up derby. But just to get back on an earlier point, I had always been obsessed with making home movies and um, telling stories, doing this exact thing. I did this when I was four years old. I would prop up my aunt's video camera, I'd sit down at the kitchen table, and I would tell a story. And when I got a little bit older, I would use the film camera it wasn't a film cam, it was a video camera, but you know what I'm, I'm saying here. And I would try to make movies with my action figures that would fit into some chronology of a movie series that I enjoyed, probably Batman. And then when I got a little bit more long in tooth, and I moved, and I had a backyard, and I wasn't confined to a small apartment in Boston, 
I gathered around with a bunch of the neighborhood boys and we did all kinds of, uh, all kinds of movies. The first thing we did was episode seven, Star Wars episode seven. And this pudgy boy named Jeremy played Luke Skywalker. He was dirty. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that kid died early. I don't know. Anyway, the progression of us playing with the movie camera was when this show came out, we decided we're going to do jackass of our own, just like every other eight, nine, ten-year-old kid during that time. And the thing about being a youngster and having that kind of idea is obviously it's stupid. And the benefit to that, as opposed to adulthood, is your inhibitions and your fear in doing things is obviously much lower because the reality of your own mortality hasn't even come close to sinking in. Even if you lost somebody close to you, a parent, a loved one, that's reserved for older people. Or, you know, maybe at your school you have the one dead kid who slipped and fell at the pool, hit her head and drowned in the deep end. But you think about that and you think about that child who passed away tragically and you're like, oh, no, no, no. That was the weird kid. That's not me. I, that couldn't happen to me. So you're doing these things and it doesn't even occur to you for a second that you could actually die. You could, something really bad could happen. Something accidental. And so we used my movie camera. We gathered around and we shot some stunts of our own that were mostly centered around this shopping cart that had wandered into our neighborhood one day. Nobody knows how it got there. Probably some lower class mom just took it, couldn't afford a cab or a bus and went into the neighborhood. But we did that and then Speed, who's been featured in a number of uh, shorts that we've done, and this kid Alex, who was a little bit older than us, decided, okay, Alex is gonna go into the shopping cart Speed is going to push the shopping cart. Is that a rebel flag? Ooh, this is this is pretty risque. This is that's more daring than this stunt. Um, and we were going to push Alex down a pier where there was going to be rocks and a beach, and it was very dangerous. It could have gone wrong at any moment. We did that. That was really the one worthwhile sketch because about midway through Speed pushing the cart. Alex decided, no, 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 I don't want to do this, I don't, I don't want to do this. But Speed just kept pushing the cart and <laughs> sent him right over the edge. That child died, yeah. We were all arrested, detained. I got out of juvie only last year. Danger Aaron, man, that is a man who needs a girlfriend. By the third movie, his teeth are just out of his head. He's a real freak. He's got that gross Canadian look to him, like he smells. Dave England, that's another guy who looks like he smells bad. I wouldn't want to hang out with either one of them. And his whole thing becomes shitting throughout the series of films. So we did the, the shopping cart stunt. And we did some other stuff, and then some older kids got involved. And keep in mind, we're like 10 years old at the time. 
when the older kids get involved, then you, you start to feel a little scared because their idea of stunts and your idea of stunts are two separate things. And I was always one who was looking, it's just balls, uh, for the stunt to come at the uh, detriment of whoever was partaking in the stunt. These older kids who were like 15, 16 years old at the time, I don't know why they were hanging out with us, kind of creepy in retrospect, decided, oh, for a stunt, here's what we're going to do. We are going to charge at somebody's parked car, jump on it, and try to break the windshield. Or we're going to charge it through somebody's garden and stomp on all the roses and, and kick the fence down. So our idea of stunts was a little more jackass and theirs was a little more bum fights. Pretty sure all those kids have wound up either in jail or on drugs, so... Sayonara, boys. Preston Lacey. He's another member of, like, the C team of Jackass. You got your A-tier participants who are Johnny Knoxville, Bam, Steve-O, Chris Pontius. Then you got the B team, which is, like, Ryan Dunn. Um... Who am I missing there? Ryan Dunn. And then you have the C team, which is Preston Lacey, Dave England, and Danger Aaron. I, if you catch me peering through my glasses at the camera here and not saying anything, just being a creep, like, it's to make sure that the camera's still rolling. So don't feel intimidated by me, like I'm watching you or something. So we had done that Jackass tape when we were about 10. And then we got a little bit older. Jackass went off the air, I think, around 2001 or 2000, that's the same time the movie came out, and the movie was supposed to be its swan song, but then they did Jackass number two, and that, in my opinion, is the best example of any of this. It's the cream of the crop for Jackass. And that reinvigorated my interest in doing shit like this, and at the time, my friend group was much smaller and also more tight-knit. So I wasn't hanging out with like a group of nine guys. It was more like myself, Kenny, who was featured in many of the shorts on the channel. Oh, Jesus. It's a miracle that nobody wound up breaking their neck or, or something way more severe during any of that. That being the period in which they did Jackass. Um... Gary, who is the specimen that is featured in How to Act in a Movie, and then another kid uh, who has not been prominent in any of the things that we've shot, but I've remained friendly with over the years. And the idea was we're going to do Party Boy. Oh, my God, Party Boy is my favorite because I'm gay. But you could never do Party Boy today, not in this day and age. And that makes me depressed. That makes me sad. 
You know, the Japanese are very polite people, obviously, so maybe you could do it over there and there wouldn't be a fuss. But if you tried doing this in like a Lowe's, right in the middle of Times Square, guess who's going to jail? Pontius was always the best. <laughs> um, so 2005, 2006, we did another Jackass tape that I actually still have on my computer. I transferred that to DVD and then I copied it over to my, over to my drive. Even their cops are so polite. Imagine somebody trying to do that with a police officer in the United States. Amazing. Just the rapid succession in this movie. They must have done so much. I know I've checked out Jackass 2.5 and Jackass 3.5. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's even stunts that weren't featured in either of those movies. And those are like the surplus. That's the leftover stunts that they never wound up using in the uh, actual films. But just to do so many stupid things in rapid succession and then cut a fast-paced movie is so impressive. The thing that I'm probably most glad about with the, the film community, which for all intents and purposes is awful, um, is that nobody is sleeping on the cinematic quality of Jackass. Because the only people that really have a problem with this are snobs. The kind of art that they're, and I'm not necessarily even calling Jackass art, but the kind of uh, art that they find most responsive to themselves is usually really dry, like um, Tarkovsky films and things of that matter. But uh, there is an overlap with people who can enjoy that and also enjoy this. Because it doesn't try to be something it's not. And it is completely impressive. This is what I would consider on par with The Three Stooges. And the Three Stooges is actually something that I've been checking out a lot lately. Because for the most part, and I've said this many times before, I find that comedy tends to hold up for about five to ten years. And then it no longer has any real relevancy with people of the modern generation. You can look at really any popular comedic performer right now, off the top of my head, Will Ferrell. Everybody loves Anchorman. Everybody loves uh, old school. His SNL performances are always great. But there's something about his comedy where he hasn't updated it. He hasn't changed what he's done. And so... You have a Holmes and Watson movie now. And that's not receptive with today's audience or the critics. And I have a feeling that 
It's not Will Ferrell who's changed, it's they who have changed. And that's also a thing with the Louis C.K. leaked tape. People going like, oh, remember when Louis C.K. was this smart, introspective man? What, you mean the seven months that he was accepted by feminists and he tried to cater his TV show and maybe one stand-up special to them? As opposed to the 20 years uh, having jokes about all kinds of inappropriate things being racially insensitive? Uh, no, I don't recognize that Louis C.K. And when I did see that Louis C.K., wasn't as funny. He tried to be David Lynch. He tried to be Woody Allen. He, he got a little too introspective. And now this material leaks and a lot of people aren't connecting with it because the culture has rapidly changed. And so to bring it back to that jackass tape I did when I was 14 years old, the second one, I was with Gary, and Gary was in that, and as I said before, Gary's the specimen, the subject of actor man, how to act in a movie, and I was talking to him recently about how 2015 and 2016, excuse me, feel so dramatically different from right now, 2019, that it wasn't that long ago and it's, it's crazy that we have another election next year. It's insane how fast 2016 and 2017 just flew by, and even 2018, although I'd say at a more normal pace. But things are just so different now. The structure of our lives were different. Um, and maybe that, 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 you know, we wound up in a weird period of time at a pivotal point in our lives, our mid-20s. And that could be it. But I feel like that is recognized among more people than not, regardless of age. The past couple of years just blend together as this new thing. And you look at 2015 as like a more, not to sound, uh, not to sound weepy or uh, soft, but it, it's just like a more innocent time. There's so many things that were different. And it's understandable that people's cultural palette for comedy would change because we don't really have go-to guys anymore that are mainstream anyhow, that people can look at and all agree upon like, yes, that person is funny. So it kind of feels like it's time for something different. And it's been a while since we had something like Jackass where it is entirely physical comedy, and no matter who you are or what you believe, you can find something in this TV show or one of these movies that you're gonna laugh your ass off to. So the Three Stooges, obviously popular in the 40s, 50s, very funny trio. They don't get as much airtime as they used to because too many moms got into the television business, I guess, and decided, oh, no, 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 it's not, a, it's not appropriate for kids. Same deal with Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes used to be very funny, and they would play Looney Tunes around the clock on, like, Cartoon Network and stuff. Now you have to get up at, like, 5 in the morning on Sunday, and they might play some Bugs Bunny cartoons, but even that is, like, too much for 
today's day and age, even though it's not. But you can't have Speedy Gonzales, you can't have uh, Bugs Bunny walking around in a dress, you can't have all the abuse. And so something like Jackass would never really... I don't think it would pop off today in the same way. Because the generation that's incoming, Gen Z, might be responsive to this. It doesn't seem like this would, you know, meet their palate. And millennials, certainly not. Millennials right now have control of the culture. There is a timeless aspect to jackass. I think because physical comedy has such a low barrier of having someone need to get it. It's crazy how there are so many people who can read a joke that you've written and you think it's obvious what the punchline or the intention or whatever you're trying to say with it is and that can be misinterpreted for whatever reason it's just a bunch of dumb fucks out there uh, that, that don't understand the language of humor Like there was some reaction video that came out recently where kids were having a poor reaction to Seinfeld. It's like, why, why, are, they, why are these people jerks? Why, why are these people mean to each other? Why do they say mean things? Oh, God. Cue Lance Bangs puking, if he hasn't already. Imagine wiping your ass with a brown bag and then throwing it at somebody. There we go. I like that jacket. You know who would fit in well with this whole troupe is uh, Nanette. Yeah, I'd love to see what kind of stunt she would come up with. You also see a notable change and the quality of the jackass films in terms of the technology that they used. Because they're clearly shooting on videotapes for this one. And then you go over to jackass number two, 
and they oh, they've brought they've brought out um, I believe legitimate film cameras they had. They might have been shooting with DSLRs or like a red camera uh, by Jackass 3D, but. Truly terrifying. Probably the one stunt that we did when we were kids, more, more preteens. So the second tape for Jackass that we had done. That holds up to this day was me taking a big bite into a bar of soap. I still got the tape of that. I look like a greasy, disgusting miner. I look like I bathed in the juices of a pizza parlor. It was bad. And I had bangs back then too. Then we're gonna do another stunt where I was gonna tackle Gary as he was just just casually golfing in his backyard. And we tried to do this, and that, that was literally it. So you, you can already tell. Uh, how vast our creativity was back then. As I was about to do that, he came up and went, Whoop! and we did this about two or three times and just kept clocking me into the, in, in like the thighs and in the gut and almost in the chin with the golf club. Which could have been bad. I could have lost all my teeth. Jesus. Rick Young, another guy who looks like he smells terrible. He's probably selling heroin off OK Cupid right now, that Rick Young. Then we invited some other kids into the fold for the video that we were doing. And the majority of the content there was me and Gary giving them and each other sack wax. That's something that doesn't really happen nowadays, I don't think. I don't think. Teenage boys are, are fucking abusing one another's testicles. That was something you always had to watch out for. You were coming into a group or you were exiting a group, you better have your hands over your crotch, otherwise you are in danger. Nobody ever took it as far as taking a buzzer to somebody's head, but that would be hilarious. This is actually how Johnny Knoxville got his start with the CKY Collective and how he got featured in Big Brother magazine. He went out to the woods, he took a gun, and he shot himself in the stomach or the chest with a bulletproof vest on. 
and sent that in as a video. Which is probably the most daring stunt in the history of any of this. The one that always looked the most fun, the one that I wanted to do, was when they were, and it wasn't in this movie, it was in Jackass number two, where they are in an arena, and there's a big teeter-totter with four sides to it. And so one person goes up, another person goes down, and, and they unleashed a bull in that arena. And it was obviously aiming for the teeter-totter and trying to take them out. Very dangerous, very fun. Uh, oddly appealing. So here we have perhaps a... I don't know if this is actually safer. I mean, it's just more organized than taking a gun, a handgun, to your chest and pulling the trigger. But they're shooting uh, like beanbags or something here, so obviously much different. Whew. Big old wealth, I bet. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh man, I forgot to add Wee Man to the tier. I'd put him on B team. Wee Man can only do so many things. And yet he brings his own set of skills to the table. I was just saying, it's kind of unfortunate that the direction that Jackass and the movies have gone in is almost entirely dependent on Johnny Knoxville. And the only worthwhile material to have come out of the whole group since Jackass 3D was that, what was it, Bad Grandpa? Dirty, gr no, that was Robert De Niro, right? Dirty Grandpa. Bad Grandpa was Knoxville in prosthetics. And that was pretty funny. Was it as funny as all of this? I mean, absolutely not. Obviously not. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. If we're going to have something from Jackass and that group... Obviously, another one of these would be ideal, but that's not... It's not a poor supplement. Certainly not compared to Action Point, which was released in 2018. Action Point had Johnny Knoxville, Chris Pontius, and... 
I want to say somebody else whose name I'm forgetting right now. But that movie was terrible. Action Point is like a bottom of the barrel movie. It's definitely one of the lowest ranked that I've seen from the past year. And I was excited. But it makes sense as to why Paramount buried it. Nobody knew it even existed. It was just one of those movies that popped up one day and disappeared. I got an early copy of it. And it was probably the saddest showing of Johnny Knoxville to date. Because it's most evident in that movie just how old he is and how old they all are. Like they were in their 40s now. Sans Bam, I believe. Bam was always the youngest. But Johnny Knoxville's middle-aged. He might be closer to 50 than 40. Chris Pontius, Steve-O, they're 40. Like 40 minimum. Oh. And you have this tired old man just doing very stupid things. And they tried to like get the, the younger actors involved but they weren't really up for it. Not in the same way. And that shows. And there was also no story. There was like no plot at all to this movie, which is terrible. I don't even, I, I, I mean, I would say I don't know how it got made, but we know how it got made. Studio executives don't actually give a shit. They only care about marketing, but there was no marketing campaign for that movie, so I don't get it. The director, I believe, was one of the guys behind Flight of the Concords, or some show like that. It was Australian or New Zealand or English comedy. Mike Judge, executive, produced it. And apparently the movie was a passion project of Johnny Knoxville's, but doesn't show, I'll tell you that. Then again, I mean, these are like the highest rated in his filmography. Dukes of Hazard was a piece of shit. I'll tell you what movie wasn't that bad though that got critically panned and was a center of controversy was The Ringer, where he enters the Special Olympics. That movie was okay. I think the Farrelly brothers were behind that one. Uh,
Would this be considered culturally insensitive nowadays? Wearing panda heads in Japan? God, look how young Bam was. What a handsome man. He has really bloated and fallen apart. We had Bam do a video back in September for the new Han short hiding in my flat three that was going to be in comfort systems. I don't know if we're going to use it now though, but it was pretty funny. Put it out on Patreon. All right, this is Rocket Skates take two. See, I'd be more afraid of the, uh, the skates than the fireworks there. The, the, this one's gonna be a little the streamers, what, what do you call them? A bottle rockets. So they, at, at some point during the production of this movie, they must have just casually mentioned it to Paramount. <clears throat> yeah, we have to go to Japan to shoot this movie. There's no other choice. Obviously, travel became a more central element with the subsequent films, but... There's no reason why they couldn't just shoot this whole movie in somebody's backyard. But I definitely appreciate the effort. The, Jap the Japan element adds a different uh, aspect to the movie. For certain. Also, for the record, if you were to do that panda head thing today, the only people who would give a shit are like white girls in the United States. Nobody in Japan would give a single fuck about that. They would literally react the same way that everybody reacted in the film, like, oh, cute, or I'm annoyed. You know, like normal people. Hmm. This actually looks like a delight as well. another puke scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today I'm going to treat myself to some wasabi My, what an edgy tattoo for the time. A Jesus fish with Satan in it. Simpler times. Simpler times. Just coming out of the satanic panic 80s on the cusp of a new millennium where there was still that lingering weirdness about Satan. So West Memphis, the, the three might have been the, the 90s as well. I think they were accused of being Satanists. I'll be real, this is kind of making me hungry. Oh, looks like gravy. It's insane how Steve-O has managed to really turn himself into a clean-cut guy. That kind of transformation usually takes decades. 
And he only got sober back in, I want to say, like 2010 or so. But you look at him now, and he's a completely different person than the guy who's... <laughs> this is terrible. Oh. Who was snorting wasabi. That's what I was going to finish off with. Look at that sushi chef. What a pro. Just carrying on like nothing's even happening. He's concerned with the sushi. He doesn't give uh, two dams about that vomit smell that's coming only six feet away from him. A man among men. I'm trying to think back to a time after the Stooges, but before Jackass, to think if there was any collective that happened to occupy that space. Obviously, around the same time as the Three Stooges, you had somebody like Chaplin and Buster Keaton, who were both great physical performers, physical comedy performers. But then from like the 60s and 70s and yeah, even the 80s, you didn't really have anything that was like that. And I mean, the Stooges were around in the 60s. I mean, they were in like their 60s at the time. They were old as fuck. But you can see videos of like a gray haired Mo and Larry, even though they both had several strokes. Uh, still trying to make it work with Curly Joe. They had a guy right before Curly Joe just named Joe Besser. And his whole thing was he was gay without being gay. His whole big sissy character. Very feminine man. And he didn't like getting slapped around. He was never a good fit for the, the Three Stooges. But I'm thinking about the 60s. And like I said, the Stooges were still around at that point. Even in the 70s, they were doing work, but they both died really fast within one another. And in the early 70s, too. One of my favorite Three Stooges stories is about how Larry... God, look at Bam! He looks so, he looks so different and young. He looks so of the era, too. He looks like he exclusively shops at Hot Topic. And that hair, that part up the middle... Um, my favorite Three Stooges story is about how Larry Fine retired in his 70s at the Screen Actors Guild retirement facility, which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. And one of his best friends there, he retired, 70, was Ed Asner of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, the younger people watching this would probably know him from Elf other programs, other films. So Ed Asner was his partner at this retirement facility. They used to play shuffleboard together. Love a good shuffleboard game. And 
eventually Larry died. And take a look at Ed Asner's career. I kind of spoiled it. But he, he's been acting up until like two years ago. So this dude thought he was dead in 1970. He went into a retirement facility at 50 years old. Think about that. It's so bizarre nowadays. Like Johnny Knoxville is almost 50 years old. And he just did one of these movies. Ed Asner was like, I'm hanging up the towel. I'm, well, I'm done for. I gotta, I gotta go off to the retirement facility and play shuffle, shuffleboard. I was gonna say pickleball. That's such a foreign notion today. That would, be, that would be like if Brad Pitt just decided, you know what? I gotta go spend the rest of my life at Shady Oaks. But yeah, I am drawing a blank as far as physical comedy performers of the 80s, 70s, and 60s. I don't think there are any. Not any of note, anyway. Not anybody who was exclusively that. There might have been some on SNL. I know Chevy Chase used to fall down a lot. And that was uh, his Gerald Ford impression. I'm sure that really holds up today. But there's nobody like the Jackass crew or the Three Stooges. And this is the paper cuts. I'm paper hopefully we won't have to wait the same amount of time. The 30s to late 90s. Think about that. 60-year gap for a new crew of note to stem up and do their own thing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, 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 no. No! Oh, my God. No, don't do that. Ooh, 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 ooh. Nah, nah, that's not good. Oh boy, ooh, don't, don't. That's horrible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's just not that. No, no. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow. Anyway, uh, 60 years. So that would set us on course to see some new good physical comedians stem up around 2050. Late, the late decade of 2050. Oh, he doesn't seem that bothered.
Oh, maybe he is. I don't know. It's also kind of wild how Bam Margera is transforming into Phil. I mean, you get old, you put on a good amount of weight. Me personally, damn, my ass is killing me. Uh, me personally, I'm at the fattest point in my life that I've ever had, maybe. I had a fat point in high school where I was pushing 190. I'm 5'11". 190 should be okay, but it wasn't okay. Didn't distribute well enough. So I had some terrible teenage boy tits and a gut. And I made the mistake of buying all my clothes in a size medium because I thought that somehow it would make me look skinnier. In actuality, it just makes you look fatter. Tips to the youth. But now I've kind of got a Louis C.K. circa Lucky Louis body. And it's it's none too pleasant, I'll tell you that. <coughs> I'm sure that's going to sound great. <coughs> oh. They should have just done another Bad Grandpa movie instead of Action Point. Action Point was such a waste of funds. And it's not going to lead to any kind of confidence in Paramount to do another one of these movies. They're not going to believe that the interest is there. Let me look it up right now and see how much money Action Point made. As opposed to its budget. Which I'm sure was higher than it needed to be. Yeah, yeah, not good. So it's one of these movies that actually had, for a film company, a relatively modest budget. 19 million dollars USD, and it made back 5 million dollars. Oof. They are going to need red box on their side, I'll tell you that. Are you guys touch gloves and come out fighting? Came out around the same time as a drift and upgrade was projected to gross $10 million in its opening weekend. Boy, howdy. Did they get a, a hard slap from reality? Yikes. The worst opening of Johnny Knoxville's career. And the 23rd lowest ever of all time, I guess, um, for a wide release. Amazing. Nobody heard about this movie. If you heard about this movie, you're, you're a sick person, probably. Deadline Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood attributes the low figure to the lack of jackass stars in the film 
Sans Knoxville, poor critical reviews, and the difficulty of promoting an original R-rated comedy. Sorry, I don't subscribe to that last one. We, ha we, we just came out of an era, a decade. Uh, well, we didn't just come out of it. We're about to enter a brand new one. The last decade, the aughts, was saturated with Judd Apatow-style comedies. And the vast majority of those were R-rated, very successful, very popular. And that style of comedy still echoes into this particular decade. And you see films uh, trying to, you know, emulate that and recreate that trend where you had a real string of genuinely funny hits for the time. You had The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which kicked things off, knocked up, which was such a unique thing at the time. And really, in general, if you think about it, where they have this big studio comedy, you see the posters in Los Angeles, New York, and Boston, and what is the poster? It's a picture of Seth Rogen's face. At the time, you're thinking to yourself, who is Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen? Who? I, I don't know that name. Oh, you mean the third co-worker from 40-Year-Old Virgin? That guy? That's a lot of confidence in Judd Apatow to deliver something. And the movie was funny. The movie was good. And it proved that you can do something original against the wind and come up successful. Oh, Jesus. That poor sea cucumber. Oh. So weird to see Chris Pontius with short hair. He's just like a thicker Steve-O. So yeah, the Judd Apatow comedy era knocked up. That comedy relied heavily on improvisation and a relationship, really, between the actors that were involved, which was easy because Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Jay Baruchel, that whole crew of guys were friends off-screen as well. James Franco. And you see that now with big, big studio comedies like Cock Blockers and uh, Amy Schumer's Trainwreck. That was actually a little farther back, but the same rules apply. Where they think that they can just do that. They can feed lines to uh, whatever given comedic actor. And then also John Cena. And then Ike Barinholtz. And then you know, Danny DeVito or whoever it might be and that it's gonna have the same effect, that it's gonna still be funny. They haven't gotten off that style of comedy. Which I guess kind of makes sense. Obviously the studio's not gonna be in touch to what is currently funny. And I think it was probably the same in the 90s where they were doing the same 70s and 80s films to a point that had connected with audiences back in the the late 70s or so. The Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray films, like Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, that's, that's early 80s as well. 
and they tried to keep that train going, and you wound up with things like Vegas Vacation. Boy, am I a big fan of Vegas Vacation. I actually have the DVD right over there. Terrible film. Um, and then the aunts come along. Judd Apatow defines an era. And they're still buried in that. But it's been, I mean, it's close to 20 years. Holy shit, this movie's about 20 years old. I don't know. It's hard to say where the taste buds of the general public are going to be comedically. Really hard to say. We don't have we don't have like a set of uh, people right now that are generally agreed upon by everybody is funny. I think I said that at the start of this, but I mean, maybe Kevin Hart, but he's not setting some kind of trend here. He's just doing generic stand-up comedy. There's so much emphasis on late-night hosts who aren't even delivering comedy a lot of the time. Like, is James Corden the go-to guy for laughs? Is that like the, the view right now? We started with this and we wound up at James Corden. Unbelievable. Oh, I'm dying here. I shouldn't have chosen to sit on a stool. Big mistake. He's puppeteering a man's penis. And James Corden is huge in, in, this, in this year. You better think this next time is impossible. Oh, God. Those are some dirty socks. The one thing I can't imagine is the smell each time they go to film. The smell just must be terrible. It's just balls and feces. Occasionally stomach acid. Maybe the success of Jackass and why so many young people were into it has a direct correlation with 
the fact that skate culture was starting to bubble to the surface and become mainstream again. Because there was a brief period in like the 80s or the early 90s where skate culture was in and then it faded out. And then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and CKY, Big Brother, obviously started to become popular as the new subculture or whatever. And it greatly informed what kids were into, what teenagers were into. And, and you had brands like Element and Hawk, I think it was just called. Vans was coming up. Um, and you wanted to wear those brands and come across as like the skater kid. I was such a poser back then in middle school. I was a fat, I was a little dumpling covered in all this skater merch and I had never been on a skateboard before in my life. Terrified me. These guys deserve more credit, even though I put them on the C tier. Because I feel like they've done all the stunts that nobody else wanted to do. So yeah, 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 just, uh, you know, eat your own piss. It'll be hilarious. Oh. I don't know. Piss is pretty bad. Pris, uh, Pris. I'm Steve Brule. Uh, piss has like a smoky taste to it that's way more overbearing than you would think. I don't know about drinking your own piss, but... Look at that. Good old string of snot there. What a good sport. Oh boy. The lengths a man will go for a little attention. Bam's parents took so much abuse. It's wonderful. That's my greatest fear right there, is to have a gut so big that it drips out of your shirt. Now, he doesn't have that quite yet, because luckily he's found a giant size of T-shirt. That can only be like XXXXXL. But that's terrible. I think Don Vito probably had that. I don't know what Phil's up to nowadays, but all I remember is he won Celebrity Fit Club 2. He lost the most weight there.
I do love that some of these guys get legitimately pissed off. Some of these guys, it's a bunch of old ladies. But I think this guy winds up throwing his golf club at them. <laughs> no, it's this guy. This guy's got rage issues. Kind of looks like John Hurt. Notorious wife beater, John Hurt. I hope I'm getting the right actor. The actor I'm saying right. It's one of those guys. Altered States, John Hurt. Or is John Hurt the guy who died, who was in 1984? Broadcast News, John Hurt. I just look so I'm not sued for libel. Oh no, I, I got the wrong guy. John Hurt's innocent. John Hurt is in. He's he's a he's a safe man. Altered states actor. William Hurt. Look, I, I was close. Not too far off. Yeah, William Hurt loves beating up women. Tell your friends. Hmm. I'd be game to do a lot of stupid shit, but not not that. Not something where you can lose your face, you know? Oh, boy. This was the piece de resistance, right? He's going to put a race car into his rectum. Ryan Dunn, what a trooper. A race car. Whoa. That's... Quite, uh, quite the foreshadowing. Live fast, die hard. With a race car in your ass. I mean, look, if my best friend in the world died in a tragic accident as well, uh, you know, maybe I would become a, a bloated alcoholic drug addict too, but... <laughs> you know, Wild Boys is a very underrated show. Excuse me if my dog is barking in the background here. You hear that. Be quiet. I got a couple of minutes left in this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Wild Boys, I always found to be the superior show to Viva La Bam. Not just because of the nature aspect, but there was something obviously a bit more daring about them going to these foreign countries and doing stupid things as opposed to Bam and that CKY crew of his just messing with his parents. And a lot of the time, many of the things that they did on the show seemed obviously staged. 
whether they want to say different or not. <laughs> you gotta wonder how they got these cameras in here too if they just like brought them in got permission or my guess is that they did they must have but there's suspicion there's no suspicion on their behalf Which is peculiar. So maybe you have one of those like giant cowboy hats with a camera lens that's just right in the center. I don't know. This doctor's great. Don't tell anybody. That's wonderful advice, too. It's not that easy trying to get this thing out as it is, especially for when you guys are staring at fucking peanut gallery when we're trying to crap. This actually really might be the best stunt of the entire movie. Success. You got shit on the floor. Oh, oh. I wonder if Rip Taylor's even still around. If they could do Jackass for. He's looking pretty rough in Jackass 3D. It is a modern cinematic classic in its own regard.
I don't know if there's going to be anything else that's like it. It's the personalities, it's the camaraderie. If you were to try to emulate this in the same exact way today, you wouldn't be able to. I believe there are people out there. I know that there's a YouTube channel I follow that does its own thing that's kind of inspired by CKY, and they put a nice spin on it. But to do, to capture what they managed to capture within this period of time, would be very difficult. It would have to be its own thing. Because it goes beyond just doing stupid things and reacting. Like I said before, it has a lot to do with those personalities, the diversity of those personalities, and owning, I guess, a particular particular sect of stupidity where you're going to do certain things. Like I said before, Dave England and Danger Aaron had carved out a niche for themselves with, like, shitting and, uh lasting physical injury like I, I believe he gets his teeth removed in the future films Johnny Knoxville he's got his own thing where he does the more elaborate Hollywood commercial stunts you know and uh, Bam Margera and company attacking his own parents and such uh, it does hold up it does hold up I will say that. And it feels particularly of the era. Uh, but in a good way. It is a bit of a time capsule to peer into this film in today's day and age. 20 years later about, give or take a year. And see it for what it is. All right, that has been Waipu. Episode 1, Pilot, Jackass the Movie. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, if you found this interesting enough, and you will let me know one way or the other, then we'll do another one. It also depends on how the editing goes for this one. Because, again, DSLR cameras have a habit of stopping every 15 minutes, and that's fucking annoying. So, until then, I've been Lowrez, and... Check out the other two Jackass movies.